as Donald said just now, um, I've been thinking about pavements all week, and uh, he didn't say that. And it was really weird because I, I came up the church hill and they've painted it. Have you, have you noticed? Did everyone notice that? And I'd never in my life had I seen the two little stripes on the on the curbside. It's like I imagine like there's a giant with a double paintbrush and he was wiping it off on the curb as he was painting the double yellows. <laughs> so I've got a weird imagination. I don't know what you think about pavements. I don't know if you really notice them. I, I don't often notice them. And when I do notice them, I think they're quite ugly. You know, they've got all these scars along them where they've dug them up to put new cables in. Uh, and when I do notice them, yeah, they're quite ugly, quite gray, uh, a little bit like something else. Don't know how you feel about pigeons. Some people are really scared of pigeons. I had a housemate, at uni- I was talking before the service, some people are terrified of them, like genuinely really scared of pigeons. And, and they're also gray, and, and people call them flying rats, don't they? They tend to, to either get ignored or people just dislike them. Pavements and pigeons. There you go. Thank you very much. Good night. <laughs> uh, but if you stop and think about it, have you ever thought how much good there is in a pavement? I was, I was walking to church last week, and I was thinking, if it was raining and it was muddy, imagine how dirty you'd be if the pavement wasn't there. And then I started to think about how much good there is in a pavement. Here you go. You're welcome to shout out if you want, a bit of interaction. We're going to do a little quiz, and it's spot the good that the pavement brings to our lives. So here we go. This is actually to the side of a pavement. What's this? Anyone? It's a drain. Imagine life without drains if it tips it down. There you go. Goodness of pavements. Number two, what's this? Did someone say gas? <laughs> it's the mains water supply into a house. There you go. There's another design of one. Little water. Imagine life without the pavement bringing you water to your home. Imagine life without clean water. We're so privileged. Crazy. Have you ever thought that in this country we shower in water that you can drink? Have you ever thought about that? Amazing. Not much of the world can do that. But imagine if the pavement wasn't bringing fresh water to your house every day. Next one. What's this? There you go, Luke. That's, that's the gas, mate. The clue's, the clue's on the little metal cover. <laughs> imagine life without gas. Well, I said this morning we might have to imagine life without gas fairly soon. Uh, there you go, another little gas inlet into a property. But imagine life without gas heating our homes and cooking our dinners. Some people now live without them, don't they? They have uh, electricity, does it all. Next one, what's the next one? Another drain. There you go, this time on the pavement. Uh, what, what's the benefit the pavement's giving us here? Think handrail. Yeah, that bit there is really dangerous, isn't it, in the autumn with all the, the leaves that come down? It gets really slippery. Imagine if the handrail wasn't there. See, the benefits so much good in a pavement. If you ever want cheering up, walk around the streets and, and just look at the pavement. <laughs> what about here? There's a, there's a few things going on here. Can you spot the wildlife? Can you see the wildlife? There's a cat just behind the bin. There you go. So you've got a bin. You've got somewhere to sit down. There's that bloke, Ryan, who's always sat there. Has anyone met Ryan? He's sat on the bench all the time on that one. And you've got a beautiful memorial garden as well. Next one. What's this? Uh, it says CATV. Anyone know what CATV stands for? Cable TV. I think it's actually, it is cable TV, but I think it actually stands for Community Antennae Television. So yeah, that's your, that's your cable. That helps you call your nan. Um, the internet also comes through those junction boxes, I think, as well. You've got the copper network, which is now being replaced by the fiber optic network. There's the BT network and the 
Virgin Network. There's two separate competing ones. Thumbs up from Andy. <laughs> this morning, I, I was hoping this morning there'd be people that would give us a bit more information because I'm fairly clueless. Um, but people didn't seem to know much, did they? Because there's a few coming up that I don't know what they are, and I was hoping they could tell me. Uh, next one along. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, so that is kind of the, the access to the, big, the broader thing, and then that's going into a single property. Next one, what does that mean? And crossing, yeah, so if you can't see very well, it tells you where a crossing is on the pavement. Um, I hesitate to say a safe place to cross because there's this one here, which is that zebra crossing at the top of the hill, which is not a safe place to cross because people choose to ignore that zebra crossing quite a lot. If that's you, consider yourself rebuked, as Donald says. Um, next one, what's the next one? There we are. What's the benefit here that the pavement brings us? Anyone? Name of the road, that's right, Val. It tells you where you are. Uh, there's also a street light there that you can't see the actual light. Next one, can you see that? It says, danger, electricity. Imagine life without electricity. And the pavement brings it to your home, and you never even notice or thank it. <laughs> That's another drain. That one's quite blocked, actually. It's not working very well. It's just before the bridge on Rectory Road. Next one, bollards, protecting an area, keeping it safe. Now there's a series of ones where I'm not entirely sure what they are. This is generic manhole cover. It might be to the sewers, which again, imagine life without the sewers. Have you ever thought about that? Not so long ago, people in this country lived without sewers, and it was just all out on the street. That is an access to T.G. Neville Walsall. No idea what that is. I assume T.G. Neville of Walsall's who made it, but I don't know what it's leading to. Uh, you got this one, P.O., which apparently is the phones. Post this morning, you said to me, post office. Yeah. And it's, what is it, like a secret tunnel to the post office? Oh, I see. OK, so if you didn't hear that, British Telecom used to be the post office. So the post office ran the phone lines. OK, I'm with you now. It's just this morning, Donald shouted post office at me. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> Access to the post office. Save me a walk if I knew it was under there. Uh, that's a water stop tap. Anyone know SSWW? What does that stand for? South Staffordshire Water Works. Good. They all said it in unison this morning. It was a little bit weird. It was like it was prepared. Uh, that is an access to the corporation of Sutton Coldfield. I think they meet underground. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that is. That's another manhole cover. It says Stanton... Something. Sorry? What is it? Oh, it's just a manhole cover. Okay. That green thing, I think, is part of the BT network, and it's the junction box. The thing in the foreground, I looked at it for quite a while and got a few weird looks, but I don't know what it is. Sorry. Does anyone know? It's a former what? Ah, so it's the base of a former streetlight. Thanks, Kate. See, the, the evening service are far more knowledgeable on the benefits of pavements. <laughs> We're not doing this all night. We're going to look at the Bible. So, <laughs> Again, I don't know what that one is. Um, the point I'm trying to make is, yeah, that's a pigeon. Thank you. Uh, 
the point I'm trying to make is there's a lot of good under our feet that we don't notice. There's a lot of good that's hidden there. And, and why I'm talking about that hopefully will become clear later. The same with pigeons. My mom says, if you only saw a pigeon once or twice in your life, you would actually think it's an amazing bird. It's a very beautiful bird. Have you ever looked really closely at a pigeon's neck in the sunshine? Have you ever seen that thing where it's like the iridescence, the green? It's kind of a green and then it goes into a pink. They're beautiful birds, amazing. What are you going on about? Okay, I wonder, slight change of tone now. If we were to go into your imagination and I was to ask you to think about God, I wonder what you would think of. What kind of thoughts and feelings would come into your mind if I asked you to describe God? And generally, the longer you spend with somebody, the more time you spend with them, the better you get to know them. So tonight we're gonna do something slightly different to normal. We're gonna spend a period of time with God in fast forward and we're gonna watch him and see what he does, see how he behaves, okay? Now, the piece of scripture we're gonna be looking at is the very start of the Bible, the first chapter and a bit, and we're gonna be moving through it quite fast, has generated, especially in recent years, with advances in what we know about the universe through science, has generated a lot of debate around how reliable are the scriptures in terms of describing the way the universe is and the way the universe was created. All of that debate is very important and useful. That's not gonna be the emphasis tonight, but if you wanna look into that, there's a lot of good stuff. I actually, for me personally, have never felt anxious in the more I learn through science about the universe, the more I appreciate scripture and I appreciate the things God has done. There's never been a point where I thought, oh, hang on, this piece of knowledge we now have is a real problem for the way scripture, does that make sense? It's never made me worried, but if that is something that, is worrying you or interests you, there's a lot of good and, and far more knowledgeable people speaking on that subject, but that's not the focus tonight. What I want you to do tonight is try and clear your mind, if you can, of any pre-existing ideas you have about God. Pretend this is your first time meeting him, first time observing him. What do you notice? Is there anything surprising? Is there anything new? So here we go, this is the very start of the Bible. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, through to chapter 2, verse 3. But first, let me just pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the world that you've made. Thank you for your word, the Bible. And thank you that you're here, right here with us now. And we're here to listen to you, Lord, and would you speak to us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we go. The creation of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, 
and God separated the light from the darkness. We're going to see that quite a lot. God creates something, he does his work, and he looks back at it and says, that's good. It's an interesting observation of the way God works. It's useful for the way that we work as well, looking back at what we've done and assessing it. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. We're going to look at, as we're going through this, we're going to look at some images of the things that God's made. So if you're, if you're listening on the podcast or if you're not able to see, as we go through each part, just try to think in your imagination, if you're listening at home, if you try and think of the things, we, we get, so like, for, for example, now we're looking at the heavens, we're going to see some images of the heavens. Try and imagine the things that God's made at each stage as we go through them. So here we go. So if you, if you hear an awkward silence now and you're not able to see, it's because we're looking at some images. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Have you ever noticed that where dry land meets the sea, it's often very beautiful? You think of cliffs and islands and beaches. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. Anyone know what that is? Papaya. I grew up eating that for breakfast. Momon, it was called where I grew up. Beautiful. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. 
And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. Does anyone know what that is? It's a constellation. It's the plow, yeah, or the Big Dipper, or Us Ursa Mayor, the, the, the Big Bear, I think it's. If you, did you know? So you see this, on a clear night, you'll see this here in Sutton. So there's the, it's like a saucepan. See, there's the handle, and there's the saucepan, yeah? If you follow these bottom two stars, so the, the outer edge of the saucepan, if you follow away from, oh, oh, sorry. Hang on, I've skipped. Going back. So there's the saucepan. If you come out away from the saucepan, so as if you're coming away from the fire, and you travel in a perfectly straight line from those two stars, and you travel about five times that gap, okay? So one, two, three, four, five. You reach that star there. Can you see it? That star there is called Polaris, or the North Star. So if you follow the edge of the plow, or the saucepan, to Polaris, that's the North Star. If you then trace that star down to the horizon, you'll find North. So if you're ever lost and it's a, a clear night, um, so through the night, the plow will rotate around Polaris, uh, but, the, but the North Star will always point north for the next few thousand years anyway. Interesting facts. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. Yeah, you got a bird and a fish there. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. <laughs> That's feathers, my mom and dad's cat. Deb took a picture of it this week. 
I think it was jumping at the camera just, to, just as the photo was taken. I realized as I was making this slideshow that we're on a time limit and we can't spend all night looking at pictures of animals and plants, so I had to cut down quite a lot. There's <laughs> just so much beauty. Here we go, carrying on. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. I don't know why I find that picture really moving. She looks so happy. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Just a side note. There's a lot of talk these days about looking after the world, and, and looking after the world God made isn't just a logical thing. It's actually what we were made for right from the beginning. So David Attenborough's right in some ways. It's creation's precious, and we, and we need to care for it, but we're also made to care for it. It's part of what we were made to do. This is a good bit. God invents eating. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. This is a pumpkin or a kind of squash, which you can roast in the oven if you like, good with garlic. You might not know, instead of throwing the seeds away that are in the middle, if you take the seeds out and put them on a baking tray with some salt and pepper and put them in the oven as well, just keep an eye on them. When they get nice and brown and crispy, they make a really good snack or, or a good like pre-dinner little thing to have in a bowl. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God creates resting not as a waste of time or something for weak people, but as a blessing, as a, a right way to end a good week, as a good pattern for a good life. So that's it. We've just observed God in fast forward for a week. I wonder, does anyone want to shout out anything that struck them? Anything that you noticed for the first time? Anything that, that stuck with you through that? Don't be shy. Anybody? 
the beautiful colors. Yeah. Anything else? Variety. Variety. Yeah. Anybody else? The word good. Yeah. Yeah, he says it a lot, doesn't he? The thing that struck me was like what Ruben said, just the creativity and the variety how much there is, how generous he is. I could, I could have, we could have been here two, three hours just looking at pictures about just animals or just plants. Incredible. But also how good and how generous God is and how much he wants to bless. He blesses the animals. He blesses people. He blesses the seventh day. It's like there's this just generosity and goodness coming out of him. He wants to bless. I love this verse from Jeremiah. I think it sums up sort of how God feels towards what he's made. God says this, I will rejoice in doing them good, and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. Just love that verse. I just feel it's like that's how God feels towards what He's made. It's good, and I want to bless it. Now, the question is, how have we. So you see a God who's like that, who's generous and creative and good and wants to bless and makes so much beauty for us. And how have we responded to a God who's like that? And the truth is all of us, every one of us, we hurt and damage and destroy the things that God's made. We hurt and damage and destroy each other. If you look at the news. And we ignore the patterns that God gives us for good life. The, the things he's taught us, the ways he's taught us to live well, we ignore them. And worse than all of that, we ignore God himself. We turn our backs on him. And it's not just out there, it's not just on the news. I do it every day. You do it. We ignore a God who's so eager to bless, so generous, and we turn our backs on him, we turn away from him. The Bible calls it sin. And I wonder for you, if you were in God's position, how would you feel about that? You've gone through that creation, you've blessed, you've given, and then there's that turning away from him. How would you feel? And in some ways, God feels how we'd expect. I'm about to show you a passage from Romans. It's just a small piece of writing from the letter to the Romans, chapter 1. And it's quite hard-hitting, but it's true. But it's very uncompromising in its words. It says this. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. There's no ambiguity. There's no middle ground. It's not, oh, fair enough, you know, you, you're agnostic or unsure on the position about God. No. You know the truth about God because it's been made obvious to you. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. 
and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. I think that's so relevant. We see that today. I've, I've been watching Green Planet, you know, one of the latest Attenboroughs, just about the, the plants that are on our world. Amazing. Just a, a quick side note, there's a, there's a place called Devil's Island in Venezuela. It's a rocky, mountainous island. And there's a, a type of plant that lives on the tops of the mountains, and there's barely any soil. And so what this plant does, because it needs nutrients, <laughs> this plant has is shaped so that it holds rainwater. And in that rainwater within the plant, all these little insects and bugs live. I don't know if anyone of you everyone's seen Green Planet, but you've got all these bugs inside the plant. And as those bugs kind of live in the plant and die, their bodies decompose. And those nutrients then feed this plant, which hasn't got enough soil. On top of that, there's another plant that lives near the first plant, which has these tendrils. And it sends out these tendrils that go looking for the water. And these tendrils go round into the first plant and find the water. And when the tendril comes into the water, it starts to form all these tiny little bladders. It's called bladder wort, this, this is the second plant. And um, what these bladders do is they expel all the water out from within them and form a kind of vacuum. And then whenever a little insect comes along, it has a sort of trigger so that when the insect goes next to the bladder, it opens, and because there's a vacuum inside it, it sucks the insect inside and traps it. And it then sort of digests the insect. So, so with this tendril, it's got all these bladders, and it's sucking in insects and eating them. And when it's eaten enough of these insects, it then has the energy to flower and reproduce. And you watch that, and it's utterly mind-blowing. And again and again, you're seeing these things that are utterly mind-blowing, like, wow. And then you're just kind of meant to say, oh, well, that's interesting. I'm, I'm glad that turned up. And there's just no recognition. There's no recognition of the design and the beauty of the thing. And the Bible says there's no excuse. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. It's like the more we learn about the beauty and the complexity of what God's made, the more we turn our backs on him and say, we don't need you. We understand this. So how does God react? We see that God's anger, but how does God react? Instead of moving in that anger, God, who's so creative, was already doing something creative. God, who brings order, was already organized and ready for this eventuality. And I think we just spent, we just spent a while looking at God just now. And I think in that, there are some whispers of what God was going to do. There were some pointers. If you remember the plow, the constellation pointing to Polaris, the North Star. And if you remember the little manhole covers on the pavement, as you go along the pavement, the little manhole covers, they're like clues of the goodness that's underneath. And I think in the passage we've just looked at, there are some clues, some pointers of what God was up to and what he had planned already. There's the little um, gas but unlike gas, we don't have to pay for this goodness. It was already prepared for us long ago. So what are these pointers? Number one, the passage started with in the beginning. Who is it that gets described again and again? Actually, the passage that Emily read from Colossians, if she'd read the next verse, we would have heard him described as he is the beginning, 
I think I've, I've, I've said this before. Who is it that gets described as the beginning? When God makes the world, he creates it using his words. Who is it that was the word at the beginning? It's Jesus, isn't it? The passage talked about the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I find this amazing. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So it's using language like a bird. Who was it that at the beginning of their ministry came out of the waters and the Spirit of God descended on them like a bird? It's these little whispers. It's Jesus, isn't it? Who is it who, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, the most famous constellation in the Southern Hemisphere, I don't know if you know this one. You see it up there? That's the Southern Cross. It's on the flags of Brazil, New Zealand, Australia, loads of the Pacific Islands have this constellation on their flag. Who is it that has their greatest life work stamped on the stars of the Southern Hemisphere? Who is it that has their greatest life work symbol stamped on the backs of donkeys? Have you ever looked at a donkey's back? Who was it that sat on a donkey? (laughs) Who is it that's described as the vine? Who is it that's described, last Sunday we described him as the lamb? Here's a question for you. Why is it, right, I'd never thought about this before preparing for this, why is it that the creation story is described as a week of work? You ever thought about that? God could have said, God is capable of saying, let there be everything in the universe, and there was everything in the universe, and it was good. That was easy, done. Five-minute job. But no, why is it described as a week? Think about it like this. You've got a God who works one day. He works, and then he looks back at what he's made, says it's good, and then he goes again the next day. He works, crafts, makes something, looks back at what he's done. It's good. And then when he gets to the seventh day, he rests on the Sabbath. Why is it described like that? Well, who was it that for most of their life on earth worked, crafting, making things through the day, at the end of the day looked back at his work, thought, well, that's good, then rested, and then the next day was back at work, crafting things, making things. Do you see what I'm saying? And then on the seventh day, he was a Jewish man, and he rested. It's almost like, I imagine God the Father saying to Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to send you in a few thousand years, because these people are going to need you to be there, but they're going to have trouble recognizing that you're God. So what we're going to do is we're going to describe the creation story like a working week, like I'm crafting things through the week, and then I'm resting on the Sabbath. That's, that's how I work from the beginning. And when you come, you're going to be someone who works a working week and rests on the Sabbath. It's almost like a whisper. I'm not saying it's obvious, but the creation story didn't need to be described like a week. Who are we reminded of every time a seed goes into the ground and is buried and then bursts out in new life? Who was it that did all the work that needed doing and said, it is finished at the end of the sixth day and on the seventh day was resting in the ground after the work was complete? If you take anything away from tonight, what I want you to take away is we've got a God who created a beautiful world, everything that we need, full of beauty, full of creativity. He gave it to us. We've rejected him in a big way and damaged the things he's made. And the way he responds, yes, he's angry, but he responds by giving us himself. 
by giving us Jesus. What kind of God is this? So just to finish now, what do we do with all this information? What, what do we do with it? You've got two choices, basically. Number one, you are very welcome to carry on living life as you lived it before, in your day-to-day life, mainly ignoring God, turning your back on him, doing things your own way. What I would say there is the Bible's very clear that you will have to live with the consequences of making that decision each day. Your second option is you could become more aware of pavements and of pigeons. When you look at a pavement, from now on, when you see a pavement, let it remind you of the who prepared so much good for you long before you arrived in this place. Like the, all the good that's in a pavement that we take for granted, we have a God who made so much good and he prepared it long before we arrived. Far more generous and creative than the Birmingham City Council. Even though they, <laughs> I don't know if it's them that, that look after the pavements, it might be. When you see those scars along the pavements where they've dug those channels, the scars on the pavements, think of the scars that were made on God to bring us goodness. So those scars were made to bring us water, electricity, fiber optic cables. Scars were made in Jesus to bring us something far more precious. So when you see pavements, think of those things. Jesus was scarred for you, and he's calling you now to walk on his ways. And when you see pigeons, think about the beautiful necks, the beautiful wings. Remember that in our day-to-day life, if we think and look closely, there's so much beauty, so much generosity to be seen, even on the worst days. From now on, if you see a pigeon, don't get annoyed by it, don't get frightened by it. Remember the beauty and the generosity, and remember the man who came up out of the waters And the spirit descended on on him, not like a pigeon, but like a dove. And they're in the same family, I think. Think of pigeons and of pavements. And all of that leads us, what is the Romans passage said, they didn't worship him and they didn't even give him thanks. But all of that should lead us to giving thanks to a God who's like this. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God didn't want us to perish. He wants to bless. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And he had it planned right from the start. I'm going to come to a time of communion now. I'm going to pray, but if you want to, Jesus invites you the God who created everything, all that beauty, all that generosity, all that complexity. And now he invites us with the bread and the cup, things that come from his creation that he's given for us. And they're ordinary things that remind us of extraordinary love and extraordinary generosity and extraordinary forgiveness. And so Jesus invites us now to join together and remember him. 
which I think there's just going to be a piece of music and, and we're going to share in the bread and the cup together and then Emily and the band are going to come and lead us in a time of response and, and giving thanks. Let's just pray together. Father, we have no possible way of thanking you enough or praising you enough and we don't even understand all the things you've made. We're only scratching the surface. But you're amazing. Even just looking out the window at the trees, you're amazing. We have no way of earning all this goodness. And even though we've rejected you and ignored you so often, you were planned and ready to bless us even more. And help us to walk in that. Help us to find joy in what you've done for us even on the hard days. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for pigeons and for pavements. And thank you for Jesus who was scarred to bring us good. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.